a reminder, we have seen in the scriptures a connection between me hearing heaven, my connection to heaven, and some of the things that go horizontally in my life. So I can receive heaven, I can receive from heaven if I take better care of my body. I can receive from heaven if I let in the right people. Letting in the right people will increase my connection to heaven. And sometimes we do the negative and we let in the wrong people that interferes with my connection. It, it harms that connection. So I wanted to start with the negative. So we talked about one of the mistakes the Lord identifies we would make in the latter days is that we let tares into our life because we confuse them as wheat. And then it harms us. And it has an impact on hearing him. So one way we can hear him is by removing the tares. So last Wednesday, we talked about removing the tares. Now, sometimes that's a physical removing. Um, it may needs be that I stop hanging around with this person over here or and that there's a physical removal of someone who's really tearing me down. I think all of us throughout our lives have let someone in and we realize, you know what, that's not a good influence. And for our own spiritual sake, we kind of separate from them. And we need to do that kindly and in a Christ-like way. We don't necessarily be running around yelling at people that they're bad influences and that I need to leave them. We can do that in a kind way. And then we talked about the fact that sometimes the tear isn't the person. Sometimes the tear is the story I tell myself. And that removing the tear quite often is changing my story. How are you, Eden? It's good to see you. And I, can, I can't tell you how many times in my life that's needed to be the case. How many times that the weight that's pulling me down isn't really someone as much as it's the story I'm telling myself from someone. And changing that story will lift a burden and uh, dramatically lift a burden. So what I'd like to do today is kind of pick up on that. It's not so much the people that are the problem is it's what I tell myself about the people. So let me teach today kind of a difficult concept, but one I wish we would speak more often about in the church because I have found it to be the source of a lot of pain in a lot of people's lives. And Paul in the New Testament had a name for it. He recognized it in his day, and I certainly recognize it in our day. And that is the tendency to assume that because something's right for me, it's right for everyone. And to impose it on you. Now, how many things in this gospel does the Lord tell us we all have to do exactly the same way? There are a few, right? Eden, can you name one thing he tells everyone has to do the exact same way? We all have to do it this way. Take the sacrament, okay? We don't alter the way we take the sacrament. Some people, we, we all use bread. It's the same covenant. We all get baptized in the same way using the same words. There are a few things where the Savior says, everyone has to do it this way. 
In order to go to the highest degree of the celestial kingdom, uh, we have to enter into the new and everlasting covenant of marriage. But how many things in the gospel do I have to adapt to my life? We call those principles, the principles of the gospel. The doctrines are kind of, everyone has to do it this way. This is set. You don't change it. It's a doctrine. Principles are more in line of adaptable. It has to be adaptable. Remember how we talked about the word of wisdom and kind of the principle of the word of wisdom that's adaptable? Is there, are there right foods for everybody? No. And what is wrong for my body may not necessarily be wrong in the same way for someone else. And so we have to adapt. Do we all need the same amount of sleep? You're going to find that your body doesn't need the same amount of sleep throughout your whole life. Sometimes it'll need more, sometimes it'll need less. And so it's adaptable. And the gospel is full of those adaptable things. How you keep the Sabbath day. It's very adaptable. And everyone has to choose what's right for them. But here's the problem in the church. Some people come to a conclusion that this is right for me, and then what do they do? They tell everyone else that it's right for them as well. And so one of the biggest tears I have found that we led into our lives thinking it's wheat is this idea that I have to do what everyone else says is right. And that becomes a burden. And I know a lot of people who live their life out of guilt because my mom says I have to do it this way. Or someone else said I have to do it this way. So let's talk about lifting that burden and saying, no, I will work out between me and my Savior, me and my Heavenly Father, how I'm going to live the principles of the gospel. And I am not going to add to me the burden of assuming that I have to do it just because you've decided that's how you do it. For example, I'll just see if I can use a zillion examples. My wife and I have 10 children. 10. My wife gave birth 10 times. Eden, is that right for you? <laughs> Sabrina, is that right for you? Do you feel like you have to have 10 children in order to be a good Latter-day Saint? My wife and I did. So how come it's not right for you? That's an obvious one, right? But sometimes what not, is not so obvious is when you have children. And I know as soon as you get married, mom's going to have some opinions about that. And the question is, do you turn it into what Paul called a doubtful disputation? Turn with me to the scriptures. Let's read this out of the scriptures. In the book of Romans in the New Testament, find Romans chapter 14. This is a tremendous idea that I will be honest has freed me of a lot of guilt and a lot of pressure when I feel like I have to do things the way someone else has chosen to do them. So, New Testament, 
Romans 14. All right, Paul says in verse 1, Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. That's the phrase. Now, I don't... Maybe we can come up with a better term, but I'm just going to use Paul's term. A doubtful disputation is the idea that you all have to do it the way I think it should be done. The reality is we all have the responsibility to adapt the principles of the gospel to ourselves. And we don't necessarily have to feel bound to do what other people tell us to do. So verse one, he that is weak, receive ye, but not to doubt for your disputations. Now he's gonna use food as an example. So allow me to use a modern day food example. Okay, let's do Coca-Cola, caffeinated drinks. There are people in the church that would say what? Caffeinated drinks are against the word of, they're against the word of wisdom. There are people who strongly believe that caffeinated drinks are against the word of wisdom. So these are the no Coke drinkers. No way. Drinking Coke is against the word of wisdom. Because coffee and tea have tobacco, or have Caffeine and Coke has caffeine. Therefore, if you drink Coke, you're a sinner. And that's kind of their opinion. There are other people who say, anyone know what their argument is? What's their argument? Nothing in the word of wisdom that says caffeinated drinks. I have never been asked in a Temple Recommend interview, and I can read them in President Nelson's conference talk. There's nothing in the conference talk that says I need to avoid caffeinated drinks. Caffeinated drinks are not against the word of wisdom. Now, true or false, we have people of diverse opinion in the church. Now, look at verse 3. What do the people who don't drink Coke often do to the people who do? It's the second word, so don't yell out the first word. Give me the second word. They judge, right? They judge. Someone who believes that caffeine is against the word of wisdom sees someone drinking a Coke, and what do they do? <gasps> Sinner! And they judge him. And because they judge them, what do the Coke drinkers think of the non-Coke drinkers? Go to the back to the first word. Despise. Oh, I hate those holier-than-thou people. And here we have the saints of God arguing over a principle. And that becomes a club. We take that club and we beat people up. Now, the club is, because I think it's right for me, I impose it upon you, and I want you to think that it's right for you. Do you see the doubtful disputation? Do you see what a doubtful disputation is? Let's stay with food for a minute, okay? How about instead of Coke and non-Coke, how about we do, there are a lot of people who say they want to eat no meat. 
And there are people who say, no, animals were put on earth for our use and they eat meat. Now, what usually happens between them? You're smiling. I'm smiling. I've been beaten up so many times. Tell me what we often do to each other in the church. What do vegetarians sometimes have a tendency to do to meat eaters? Judge them. They judge them. And they use guilt, and sometimes they harangue them. Do you know what happened to that animal? How can you support such cruelty? No, I don't support cruelty. But they turn it into a doubtful disputation. And what happens in reverse? What do sometimes the meat eaters feel about the vegetarians? They judge them and despise them. Do you see what a doubtful disputation is? We're in Romans 14. We're talking about removing the tares from our lives. And we're in Romans chapter 14. And one of the things we need to understand is that when it comes to the principles of the gospel, everyone needs to choose for themselves. But no one has the right to impose their choice on others. And one of the biggest forms, tell me I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong, that one of the biggest forms of guilt that we live under is the judgment we feel we're receiving by people who have chosen to live a certain way and that we have not chosen to live. We ought not to do this. Paul goes on to say, who art thou? This is verse 4, chapter 14, verse 4. Who art thou that judges another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. In other words, this is between you and God. It is not between you and anyone else. Now, I'm guessing none of you are married, but something's going to happen as soon as you get married, and mom's going to start to say, it's time to have children. Time to step up and have children. And what do you say to her? Lovingly, lovingly, what do you say to your mom? Mom, that's between us and Heavenly Father not between you. Love you, but don't turn this into a doubtful disputation. I am not going to feel guilt because I choose, my Heavenly Father and I have an understanding and I choose to apply a principle differently than you do. I will account to God. I don't need anyone else to judge me and tell me that what I'm doing is right or wrong. But do you sense that weight? How many times is that the weight that we put on our shoulders? Everyone is telling me I have to do it this way. You did serve a mission, right? I'm going to. Going to. Did you feel a little pressure? Um. When you started getting that 19, did you feel a little pressure to do what everyone expected you to do? Was there a little element of that? I don't think people expected me to. It was more that, like, I had a lot of friends going inside, felt like, oh, I need to do too. Yeah. And there's that element of... Now, can you imagine there's probably a few people who served a mission because of that and not for the right reason? 
Now, does that, does that affect my relationship with heaven? Do you feel the weight that I'm talking about? That weight of sometimes I do it because other people expect me to do it. And maybe one of the biggest terrors in our life is the guilt we feel if I don't do it exactly the way other people tell me to do it. Have you felt pressure on what you do for a living? I mean, what career you choose? Now, President Nelson, I taught President Nelson's grandchildren, several of his grandchildren. And one time... He jokingly told his grandkids, you can be any kind of doctor you want to be. And I think that it was just a joke and I think everyone laughed, but how many of us in our real life kind of get pressure from mom or dad or grandma or grandpa or society or friends to say, because I have chosen this path, because it's right for me, it's right for you. And that becomes a major burden. I love, I loved basketball when I was growing up. When I was in middle school and high school, I probably played basketball for four hours every day. Took Sundays off, but that was it. I literally probably played for four hours every day and loved every minute of it. I ate, breathed, I loved the sport of basketball and I loved playing it. Played throughout high school, didn't play in college, but I played all throughout high school, played all throughout my youth. So my oldest son grows up, and I don't remember ever saying that I wanted him to play basketball. I don't think I ever said that. But he was really tall and grew up with an expectation. Do you see the expectation coming? Do you, without even me saying anything, what's the expectation? I have to play basketball. Um, he kind of acted like he was interested, in, and I'm reading the situation saying, hey, he's interested in basketball, and so do you want me to coach you? I'll, I'll be your junior jazz coach, and sure, I'll be your, so for several years, I was his junior jazz coach. How was he reading the situation? My dad really wants this. This is really important to my dad that I play. And he kept playing. And it finally got to the point I could tell he was miserable. He enjoys the bas basketball, hates the competition, absolutely hated the competition, did not find joy in it at all. And I don't know what it was, but one day I realized he is not enjoying this. And I said, are you playing basketball because you think I expect you to? And he looked at me like, kind of, yeah. I don't. I played because I loved it, but I don't expect any of my kids to play. I just thought you enjoyed it. But if you don't enjoy it, don't play. And he looked at me like, you'll still love me? Of course. You don't have to play because I loved it. Tell me what happened in that moment to my son. Can you sense it? 
a weight came off his shoulders. And I thought that we do that as a society. We create doubtful disputations. Whether we do it, and I, didn't, I never intended to do it. But I think he read into the situation, my parents will be disappointed if I don't play basketball. And it was the expectation of living up to someone else's, well, because they chose that, I have to choose that. I think that is one of the biggest tears in our lives. This idea that because it was right for someone else, I have to choose it as well. That is not correct. Who art thou that judges another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. So that means two things. Number one, I need to do better at not imposing my personal choices, my how I adapt the gospel onto you. You don't have to do it the way I choose to do it. And I need to remember that. My children don't have to do it exactly the way I did it. They don't have to like my same music. They don't have to like my color. They don't even have to do some of the things we do in the gospel the way I do them. I don't expect any of my children to be an institute teacher. I want them to find a career that they choose. So I need to make sure I don't impose. Now, what happens on the other side? My children need to do what? Tell me what my children need to do. My children need to live in such a way that they don't feel the pressure. I need to not impose my way on everyone else. And we all need to live in such a way that we say, look, I understand that that's what you chose, but that's not what I choose. And we need to simply say, I will choose. Now, I'm going to walk this line because I am in no way trying to encourage sin or transgression in any way. But allow me to see if I can make this point. This Heavenly Father is clearly in the celestial kingdom. Is he forcing all of his children to go to the celestial kingdom? How do we know that? Because he gave how many? He gave three kingdoms of glory. And, and we know that how many divisions are there within the celestial? So what if that's true of the others? What if there's nine kingdoms? Joseph Smith used the word 12 once. What if there's 12? He, see, he said between heaven and devils, there's 12. What did Heavenly Father do? Say, assuming what? What is Heavenly Father assuming? Not all of my children want what I want. So is he going to punish them if they don't want what he wants? Is the terrestrial kingdom a place of punishment? We call it a kingdom of? Which means Heavenly Father recognizes that not everyone wants what he wants and he'll honor what you do want. If one of his children wants to go to the terrestrial kingdom, what does he say? I have a kingdom for you. He's very clear that there's a greater source of happiness if you want to choose it. And he will, he will testify that he believes there is a greater force of, source of happiness. 
But then he'll simply say, but if you want that, you choose. Do you see what we see in our Heavenly Father? This willingness to say, what is it that you want? You don't have to choose what I choose. And just because it's right for me doesn't mean it's right for you. Do you sense the doctrine here? Doubtful disputations. It's one of the biggest tears I see in our lives that people feel obligated to do what other people think is correct. Don't buy into that. It, it comes two sides. So don't impose. Don't assume that something that's right for you is right for everyone. And don't live with the pressure. Don't let the guilt or the pressure of a doubtful disputation weigh you down. Spencer, if you don't want to play basketball, you don't have to play basketball. I just feel bad that he, he spent years weighed down with that pressure. So I went home. <laughs> we had a family meeting. <laughs> I said, look, none of you think you have to play sports for my sake, do you? I don't want any of my children to feel that weight of pressure. But I know we do that, right? Can you think of, can you think of a pressure you have felt that you now recognize is simply a doubtful disputation? Is someone else's choice as to what they believe is right? Let me just give a whole bunch of examples. I want to make sure you see it in all, in all walks of life. Um, my father, bless his heart, may he rest in peace, was king of doubtful disputations. Love him. In so many ways, I love him. But man, he was king of doubtful disputations. One example. Um, he would come to a conclusion that a certain food is best for him and therefore conclude what? Do you see what he would conclude? Everyone else has to eat it. So he would eat the most bizarre things. I mean, weird, whacked out, crazy things. So one day, my wife, with one of our little kids, she was just holding a one-year-old or a two-year-old, and they were over at, at my parents' house, and my dad was eating one of his snacks, one of his just healthy snacks, which I'm being a little judgmental. I recognize but he was, he was snacking on it, and he handed it to my son. My wife's holding our son and said, it's probably the only healthy thing he'll eat today. Now tell me, what did that statement do? Yeah. Right? Now, that was a doubtful disputation. Inappropriate for my father to say that. Because what was the effect of that statement? What did my wife hear? You don't feed your children healthy food. But what's the reality? My dad was saying, because I choose something for me, you have to choose it for your family. Do you see what he did wrong? Now, my wife did something wrong too. I did something wrong. What is it that we did wrong? We let the weight rest down on us.
my wife instantly walked out feeling what? Guilty for handing our kid a Cheeto. Are you kidding me? Kids and Cheetos? But the judgment and the despising, right? You see that one? Um, what do you want to do? Career? Children? Edu oh, how to educate your children. Ooh, there's a sensitive one, right? How to educate your children. Some people choose public education. Some people choose private. Some people choose homeschooling. And what do we often do to each other? Any of you homeschooled? Anyone know someone homeschooled? People who are homeschooled sometimes have a tendency to what? Well, not only that, but about their education. What do they have a tendency to say about their education? I had a better education than you did. I, a, a mom who homeschools her kids, I, I saw a post from a mom who homeschools her kids, and she was basically saying, I love my kids more than you love yours. It's because I homeschool. Now, is that true? Is not true. Should anyone feel guilty that they don't homeschool their children if they've decided that the best thing for their children, their family, is public education? But do you sense that weight that we sometimes put on? Career, how to spend your money, etc., etc., etc. How many of you come from a family that's very thrift oriented? And when you have a little bit of money and you want to have a little fun, what do they have a tendency to do? And here comes the daggers. Food. Food is fuel. But food is also fun and entertainment. Social. Food is a reward. But just... Do you know what I'm talking about? The dagger strikes about a moment on the lips, forever on the hips. And now, the other side of that is take the tear out of your life. When we talk about removing tears that free, I just watching the weight come off my son's shoulders when he finally realized I don't have to play basketball taught me a great lesson that if we want to hear heaven and have that weight, I mean, it is, hard to heal. it is hard to hear heaven when that weight is crushing us, isn't it? The crushing weight of other people's expectations. That might be one of the most important tears I take off my life is to say to myself, that's great that they chose that. I support that. But I will not allow a weight on my shoulders because that's what they chose. Do you see the doctrine? Eve, you know, taking notes on Romans 14. Tell me what you marked. Tell me what caught your attention. Verse 17, she got down. See, we didn't, we, didn't get, we, got past, we didn't get past four, but it just goes on. Tell me what verse 17 says to you. For in the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and 
But what do we sometimes turn the, the kingdom of God into? Sabbath day and word of wisdom. And now I know there's a balance there. Do we need to teach truth? We do. Do we have a responsibility to teach our children? I need to teach my children what I believe is true, but I need to avoid doubtful disputations. Do you see that balance? <sighs> I think we've got it. You, you, you want to talk about more examples? I mean, I've got... <laughs> Once you key into this, here's the problem. Now that you've seen it, you're going to see it everywhere. Now that you see it, and I'm glad because now maybe the weight can come off your shoulders. How many, how many people have made a decision out of guilt or obligation because, they weighed the, because the expectations of others were weighing them down? Now, you do what's right. Have, be 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 courageous enough to face Heavenly Father and talk about your decisions. Don't ignore Him. But ignore others that are putting a, wish, a crushing weight on you. I have lived long enough to see the damage that this tear does in, in lives. Find the best way for you to apply the principles in your life. If Eden decides to not serve a mission, even though all of her friends are, is that okay? Absolutely. If she decides to go to BYU, is that okay? Yes. She guys decides to go to the University of Utah. Is that okay? <laughs> but boy, we have what kind of culture? I pray that you will look at the weight that is on your shoulder and ask yourself, is it being caused by a doubtful disputation? If so, how can I remove that tear? I pray that you will invite Heavenly Father in your decisions because that's the one I'm going to stand accountable to. He's the one I'm going to stand before and He's the one I need to be able to answer all of my decisions. He's the one I need to answer to. Don't be ignorant of that need. But don't live your life under the crushing weight of other people's expectations, especially when they are doubtful disputations. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.